You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us on Real Presence Radio Live. Thursday morning, February 24th, just a few days uh, before Ash Wednesday. But really, my eyes are on Fat Tuesday because I love to eat. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's coming right up. And very relevant topics this morning, uh, friends of Real Presence Radio. I'm your host, Father Craig Holkalter, along um, with Kelly Schneider. Kelly, it's been great. This this huge, and and we probably didn't say it enough because with Elza last segment, it was it was a very you know I think rigorous conversation, mm-hmm. uh, very strong in terms of the importance of friendship in living the Catholic faith, mm-hmm. and the role that discipleship and mentorship plays. We are with. I think an expert, I really do. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I guess we could get in the Catholic Disneyland of, of fame, but if we kind of set that on the <laughs> shelf, I think she'll, she'll appreciate it too oh for, for, for hu- her no. humility. Um, we are with oh uh, <laughs> Sarah Swafford. Good morning, Sarah. Hey, oh, it's so great to be with you guys. I'm sitting here in my house in Kansas watching it snow, so I feel very one Ooh. with you Northerners right now. <laughs> so it's very beautiful. I, I feel cold. I feel cold, and I feel cold, and I feel one with you right now. So I'm very excited to be with you guys. Yeah, Sarah, like 25,000 more listeners just tuned in because of the bond of snow and cold weather. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) Many, many listeners, uh, friends, you know that Sarah Swafford um, is is really a leader regarding the Ministry of Emotional Virtue Mm -hmm. uh, and and the challenges of of being a parent of a teen in our world today. She's the author of a book, Sarah, you wrote, um, Emotional Virtue. Uh, guide to drama-free relationships, such a relevant and important topic. So, Sarah, right off the right. bat, what 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 led you to to write, you know, nearly two hundred pages on on emotional virtue, and really give insight to parents and to teens about, you know, being one with the Lord in twenty twenty two? What led you to write, Sarah? Yeah, well. Gosh, I'm so glad you guys had me on for four hours to talk about everything that I think is so important for friendships, <laughs> right? So I'm just kidding. Um, I always love, I always love like being on a on an airplane or something, and you know, someone leans over and is like, "Oh, where are you off to? What do you do?" And I'm like, "Oh, not a four hour flight for me to get it all in." So, but, um, but yeah, I I really love um, like thank you for your kind words. I always joke when people say things like that. Cause I'm like, I really just love hanging out. So I mean, thank you for just letting me hang out with you. Um, I actually, I'm, I'm sitting here in my house looking across the street at Benedictine College, so I know a lot of your uh, listeners might be familiar with Benedictine mm-hmm. College. Um, so my husband teaches theology over there at the college, and um, we're graduates from there, go Ravens. But um, my ministry <laughs> really started in the dorms, um, so you know how they have like dorm residence hall directors, dorm moms, mm-hmm. dorm dads, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so about, gosh, I'm getting really old, uh, about 10, 12 years ago, um, I was an RD over there, and it was right when social media came out and right when mm. texting came out and right when all of that kind of hit the ground. And um, shout out to all my other, org- you know, I call myself the or- Oregon Train generation, you know, I Oregon Trail. Um, I definitely <laughs> am an 83 baby. So I, you know, I, I'm 38. And so I went through all of dating and relationships without a phone. Um, but I really just barely missed it. And so I remember just sitting in the dorms, married, little kids running around listening to men and women talk about communicating with these phones and trying to figure out how to date and how, you know, all this stuff. And I was like, 
what the heck? You know, like this is going to change the way we communicate forever. And I don't want to say I'm a prophet, but, you know, pat on the back, right? But um, so I just think we all watch this kind of play out over the last, what, 10 years or so. Um, and so as I was navigating relationships with these college students in my living room, you know, I'd have, it was kind of cool. I would have girls come in and talk and I'd have guys come in and talk because they're like, oh, wait, this chick understands. Like, I got to go find someone to talk to, you know? Um, And so it was great. I was hearing both sides of it. So the book was really born out of, I wish I could have coffee with everybody. Like, I love having one-on-ones and everything, but with my five kids that hopefully you can't hear them running around right now, but you know, five kids (laughs) in life, I can't go, you know, I can't go to coffee one-on-one and so Jason Everett was like, you have to start writing this stuff down. You have to start, you know, you can't be everywhere, Sarah. You got it. The stuff is, you know, the stuff of your heart. You know, people need this. And so that's where the book was really came out of just com- like thousands of conversations, thousands of like, oh, my gosh. And then through the years, even now, I still just love, you know, going into high schools, going into colleges, going into mm-hmm. theology on tap, going into, you, you know, even with a lot of adults, going into uh, adult talks and just trying to figure out how to navigate this because I think it can feel really isolating. You feel really alone. And then, you know, we always joke like, well, and then COVID, it's like, well, it wasn't really going easy before COVID. I think it's right. easy to blame COVID, but like things are really easy before COVID either. Yeah. So my ministry has taken a, an interesting turn even now with the, um, just the aftermath of COVID, if you will. Mm-hmm. Sarah, I have, um, I, I have two teenage daughters. My husband and I have four children. We have two teenage daughters. So I have two copies of Emotional Virtue now in my home <laughs> um, that Father Smith just good. delivered here in the last couple of weeks. Good, good, good. Awesome. Um, and they're, yes. both, uh, they're both digging into it and chewing onto it. I want to hear just from you. How do you define emotional virtue to our listeners, Sarah? What, right. I mean, what, what simple definition would you give emotional virtue to those of us who aren't right, familiar right, right. with it? Yeah, I mean, it's really hard. It was funny when I was first starting my ministry. Um, I was actually formed really well by someone you might, you guys might know. One of our teachers at Benedictine when I was in college is this random fella called Dr. Ted Shree, if you're aware of him, <laughs> if you know him. Um, and he's the godfather of my firstborn son because we would not be, I wouldn't be married to Swath and we wouldn't be who we are today if it wasn't for Focus and Benedictine and Dr. Shree and a whole host of other people, Jesus, you know, as number one. So, you know, I mean, we, wouldn't be who, we just would not be who we are, right? And so um, so I, I, I took my senior seminar class with him in theology was we were supposed to read Theology of the Body. Um, but Dr. Shree had never read this little book called Love and Responsibility by this, you know, mm-hmm. awesome other random guy <laughs> named Carol Akiva, right, by, by Pope John Paul II. So we ended up, our whole senior seminar, we never got through love and res- I mean, love and responsibility is all the far that we got. We never even got to Theology's Body because um, it was just so packed, full of just unbelievable. It's very hard to read. Um, you know, it's, he's, he's just brilliant. So, But it was so good to go through that as a senior in college. And so this emotional virtue, you know, I think what we, we called it in college was emotional chastity. But when I was saying emotional chastity, when I was like trying to convey that idea to college students, they would always look at me like, like, I think a lot of people think chastity means abstinence, so they don't understand that chastity doesn't just mean abstinence, right? So they would think that I was trying to say emotional abstinence, which is not at all what we're talking about. Um, emotional virtue is kind of what more, like, made sense. Than we, Slav and I were on a date night. He's like, what you talk about is not rocket science. Like, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas and, you know, Fulton Sheen and all our homeboys would be like, yeah, like, this is just virtue. <laughs> applied to the emotions, you know, applied to your passions and your desires. 
And so emotional virtue was just something that I was calling it to have them help them to help make sense of it. You know, words have power, but also trying to understand the meaning behind words. So I think a lot of people think chastity is just a physical thing, you know, which it is. But there is that whole, like, man, as we're navigating relationships, especially with the opposite sex, there is a lot of emotions at play. There's a lot of, you know, all that. The game upstairs is what I call it, like up in our head, right? Mm -hmm. And with the introduction to social media, with the introduction to texting, Snapchat, TikTok, shall we go on? We probably, you know, it just keeps changing on us, right? But as we kind of navigate this, it all goes back to those original principles of virtue. Can I harness and train my emotions and passions so that I control them and they don't control me? Can I, like, sit into a, get into a relationship and love someone for who they are, not for what they do for me? Can I, you know, I get into a lot of this, you know, I try to do it in a very relevant way with our teens and young adults because the world tells them such a different message. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's kind of like, sometimes I feel like teens look at me and, and they say, like, there has to be a different way, right? There has to be another way to play this game, right? And they, but they don't quite know what it is. And I just feel like emotional virtue helps them to kind of order that and go, oh, I get it. Like, if I'm dating someone that I can't see myself marrying, I'm dating heartache. Like, when I say that to them, they're just like, whoa. Like, I've never even thought about that, you know? So when I say, like, no, like, your heart, your body will follow your heart. Like, you know, like, your body wants to go where your heart goes, right? So, like, you know, there's kind of those little things that I say that just kind of get them to go, oh, my gosh, I have never thought about this before. I'm just, like, dating someone in my mind over here, and I didn't realize that it was even causing me all this, like, stress and, and problems, you know? So, um so it's, I mean, this, again, thanks for the four hours. Can't wait to dive in. But <laughs> these are just some of the, the things that emotional virtue, you know, my definition is, am I able to rise above whatever emotional, physical, sexual desire I want in the moment to be able to set that aside, even though it might be a good, you know, in marriage later, because sex is holy and sex is sacred. And that's a whole nother four hour conversation, right? But mm-hmm. am I able to rise above whatever emotional or physical or sexual desire I have in this moment to rise above that, to set that aside and choose my beloved to choose the other because if someone can do that for you what can't they do for you like if that's like the love test is really what are you willing to sacrifice for someone you know to the world it's like the love test what are you willing to do with someone what are you willing to do for someone usually typically sexually right but for like teens and young adults start wrapping their head around oh my gosh like chastity isn't the enemy chastity is the friend of love it's the rib cage to the heart it's where i i say i want to like protect you and respect you and i don't want to use you and I don't know if I'm called to marry you or not, so I'm not going to take from you anything emotionally, physically, sexually. And when again, this is fast. I know I'm, like, throwing stuff out on the ground, and, and quickly I talk way too fast. But these are just all the ideas that I kind of start to, to kind of put on the, you know, put on the table for them. And their eyes are just huge. They're just like, I have never thought about this way. I've never, I've never really even seen it this way. But it's mm-hmm. so freeing for a lot of them, I think, you know? Mm-hmm. Sarah, you know, I saw those eyes get big. You've been two or three times now to Trinity High School here, and you make such an impact. So much of what you're saying is so relevant to our listeners' lives, and I want to return to that because you ended on such a great topic of what is good, right? Like ordering us to the good. Yeah. Listeners, we're going to go to break. We're talking with Sarah Swafford. She's the author of Emotional Virtue. Uh, very relevant topic for parents, for teens, for all of our listeners seeking to live the gospel and befriend Jesus Christ. Uh, please, t- listeners, uh, thank you for tuning in, and please don't touch the dial. We'll be back with a sh- after this short break with Sarah Swafford. Uh, we are our host, Kelly Schneider, along with Father Craig Holcalter. We'll be back. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, 
and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet our customers' production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancements for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through plan giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Real Presence Radio, thanks for tuning in, listeners. Sarah Swafford is with us. Uh, Kelly Schneider and I are your co-hosts, along with Father Craig Holkalter. Uh, Sarah is the founder of Emotional Virtue Ministries, EmotionalVirtue.com. Listeners, if you want to go get more information, EmotionalVirtue.com. Sarah speaks to teens and young adults about how to live a drama-free life. Sarah also works on special projects uh, for a Catholic identity for Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas. She resides there. In fact, she's speaking. She's in her home there in Atchison. Uh, she uh, lives there with her husband and her three children, uh, or five children, excuse me. Sarah, thank you again for being with us uh, on the radio oh, this morning. Oh, yeah, it's great to be with you. I, I want to, you know, I, as I get feedback from listeners, uh, especially parents, and such an irrelevant topic of, of, you know, dating the right way, befriending the right way, right, having holy, happy, uh, and healthy friendships, relationships, Sarah, give to our give to our parents, especially parents of teens, this morning. Um, you know, what are some really good practical insights, some bullets, things they can write down, or things they can kind of as they're driving to work or running errands, or you know, they're they're cleaning their homes or they're at work and they're uh, behind their screen, but they're tuning in this morning to, to Catholic radio. What's your insight? What is what is your advice in in terms of how teens should date? How do they find mm. those friends? Because as, you, as right. you named right away, sir, it's such a different world with with the world of yeah. um, 
TikTok and Snapchat, uh, certainly Facebook, and, and the, you know the, the things of like Tinder and dating apps that are not holy. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right, right. You know, yeah. give us your guidance. Leave for us a little bit. What are some good, you know, just some good tips for our parents? Yeah. Well, first, right off the bat, you know, I I always just say whenever I give a parent talker, you know, get to hang out with the parents. I just I want every listener to hear me say right now, like. God is so proud of you. Like, Mm. God is so proud of your fight. And God is so proud of your patience and your resilience. And I just feel like, you know, when I talk to parents, I always say, like, if I could just take the microphone and give it to all of you, I want to sit and listen to your wisdom because my my oldest two boys, they're just just started high school. So, um, I mean, I'm 25 forever. You know, everybody out there is 25 (laughs) forever, you know, but I'm old. Like, like my kids are starting to be the teens that I talk to, you know. I used to just hang out with Mm -hmm. teens, now I have them. (laughs) <laughs> so I think that I just, I think the number one thing I think every, I want everyone to hear is like, I always tell the teens, I'm so proud of you because you have been dealt a hand that we weren't dealt. You play with cards that we didn't even have. Mm-hmm. So like know mm-hmm. how proud we are of you. But I also would like to tell all the parents out there and grandparents out there, dude, you're, you are awesome. You have been dealt a parenting hand that none of us have ever been dealt before. Mm-hmm. And this is really hard and no one's going to do it right. No one's going to do it perfect, especially when you have. You know, a lot of teens struggle with the whole, like, well, why can't I have a phone? Well, why can't I have Snapchat? Well, why can't I have TikTok? Well, mom and dad are just trying to, like, ruin my life, you know? And just, why can't I, you know, everybody else has it, blah, blah, blah. Everyone else is dating. Why can't I, you know, says the junior high student. So, I mean, I just, I I come to all of you that are listening and just say, like, this is not easy. And um, I just, just know that you're not alone in that fight. There are thousands of parents that are praying at night, hey, God, give me some direction with this, because, you know, you can't necessarily, I mean, teenagers are very much in the moment, you know, I have all brothers, my mom used to say when high school boys start talking, just be very quiet, the wind has to be out of the east, there has to be a full moon, and when they start talking, (laughs) don't interrupt them, you know, like, um, so like, to get, to get men and women to talk about their emotions, and what they're struggling with, and, you know, dating and who they're interested in friendships, like it is so hard. And so I just, Mm. before I say anything, I just want everyone to know we're all in this together. Um, But the number one thing that I see, one of my favorite questions for my college students is, you know, what did your parents do well and what do you wish they would have done differently? Mm. Because then I take that knowledge and I start to like like, where everyone's at, right? Like where is everyone at? And also these are great kids. Like, I mean, you know, again, I'm looking at Benedict and we have 2000 college students. They're amazing you know, a lot of them come from families that are like ours, you know? And so mm-hmm. I just, I kind of just ask them, what do you, what do you wish you would have done differently? And one of the things I hear from a lot of the college students is I wish I just would have spent more time. Like I wish someone would have taught me how to foster better like friendships because, mm-hmm. you know, Sarah, you were right. Like great dating relationships do come from these friendships that when you have like a group of women running together and you have a group of men running together and then those groups, those men and women run together great relationships come from that and it sounds so elementary but i mean like it's not it's very hard because girls have you know i was bullied so bad in seventh grade i had to switch schools and so i didn't trust women as far as i could throw them in high Mm -hmm. school you know i was like just stay away from me you know like i don't want to be a chess piece in your game you know Mm -hmm. and then guys you know i gave a talk at the seat conference called how to you know how to pursue a woman in the 21st century and I thought, like, 50 guys would show up. We had 3,000 guys show up to the talk, right? And um, and they all thought, I think they thought I was going to give a talk on Tinder or something. They thought I was going to give a talk <laughs> on, like, how to pursue a woman. And I ended up giving a talk on 
forgiveness. I, I, I apologize to them for every woman that has ever used them or torn them down or emasculated them or hurt, or hurt them. And I, t- I told them how sorry I am for the times that they haven't been loved well by the women and the men in their own life, by their own dads. Like, those relationships, like, nobody's parents are perfect, but some people's parents are very far from it, you know? And no. So I, I started to talk out by telling them how, how proud I am of them, how sorry I am, <clears throat> how difficult this is, and that they're not alone. And then I spent the rest of the time talking about male friendship. <laughs> because, like, male friendship is so hard, but if you get male friendship, and then you turn around and you get female friendship, then you eliminate all of the youth and you eliminate the, the emotional like game. You eliminate, you look across and you see, you know, a brother in Christ who is also probably struggling with something and, you, you know, you're in the, the, the battle with him. You see a brotherhood and then you mm-hmm. see a sisterhood. You see a group of women and you're like, I don't want to use these women. Like, I just want to like help them and, and elevate their virtue. And I want to learn how to be friends with the opposite sex before I try to date anybody. And what I what I see when I when I when I talk about this, all of them are kind of looking at me like, "Yeah, that makes total sense." But like, how do you even be friends with the opposite sex? Like, that's really hard, you know. And and I love to like think about our grandparents. Like like my parent, my grandparents are ninety, and they would like go to like a Knights of Columbus dance and, and leave with a husband. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh my gosh, how did you do that? You know what I mean? Like, so um, <laughs> and they would. There was, like, a totally different environment for dating back in that day, you know? And then you have, like, my parents who met in college and got married after college. And now you fast forward to this generation. Um, Like, my generation, we got married a year after college, you know? I'm I'm going through all these generations quickly. But you you look at our young adults, and you watch them enter high school, and you watch them enter college, and they're just not ready for that yet. I mean, they really aren't. That's why I... I beg every, you know, everybody listening to, to continue to not forget our young adults. You know, our young adults are out there fighting the good fight, that 22 to 32 range, because that's the generation that's dating and trying to find a spouse, because a lot of the high schoolers are trying to navigate life, and college students are trying to figure out who they are and who their friends are and how to be friends. And this dating piece keeps getting introduced in junior high and college, and yeah. It's like, wow, this is really overwhelming, and I don't even know who I am, and I don't even know who my friends are, and I'm trying to, like, sort out virtuous friendships. Um, and so a lot of people want me to answer the dating question, and I think it's an awesome question, but until we change the way we see friendship and the way we see the opposite sex as not just an object to be used, either emotionally or physically, we're never going to get the dating thing right. You know what I mean? Like, we're never going to, it's never going to make total sense until we can kind of straighten all that out, which is a really messy problem but one worth fighting for, one worth battling, you know, um, battling for. And so I, that's kind of the long answer, but the short answer is you still have these young adults that are these, you know, high schoolers like, but I really want to date, you know. And so it's, it's taking the time to really sort through all this with them and, and just really pouring into that, that friendship piece for them. Sarah, th- thank you so much. You, you made jokes of it, but I'm going to petition Real Presence Radio that we get you for four hours because <laughs> a two-hour show goes by really fast, and, and a 30-minute segment on a two-hour show is just not enough for this topic. <laughs> yeah. It's just loaded. Right, it's, right, it's heavy with importance so and value. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Sarah, thank you again. We're with Sarah Swafford, uh, emotionalvirtue.com. Uh, you can visit that. She wrote the book, Emotional Virtue. Sarah, you have a wonderful morning, and uh, God bless you for all of your good work in, in, in the vineyard. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. I'll be at Winona State and Lawrence High School next week, so I'm coming back oh. up north uh, to be with all Brave of you. Of you. North. And then I'll, I know, and then I'll be in Bismarck for the Vocations Jamboree at U Mary in March. So I'll see you guys here soon. 
Thank, thank you, sir. You have a wonderful day. Friends, don't turn that dial. We're, we're back with uh, Mr. Karlacek, a principal of, of middle school students. After this break, uh, we love you and we care for you and we want to be friends with you. And, and that's the topic today. Uh, and so we'll be right back.